Welcome to Annasbrook Church. We hope this message from our Nelson City location pastor, Shannon Johnson, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. It is good to see so many smiles out there. Um, I always think, hey, it's always good when like, there's a little bit of chaos in the room. People are a little bit too lively, a little bit too smiley. It means that it's a healthy space, and I love that we get to experience that uh, together. Uh, as Danielle said, my name's Shannon, and we are the location pastors here at Annisbrook in the Nelson City Centre. Uh, we are, Annisbrook is one church in multiple locations. So uh, we've got our family here in the city, but actually we've got some friends and family out at Saxon as well as Wellington at the moment. And so, as always, very excited to see how God is using us in this season. And uh, I'll tell you what, babies, I, I'm just like, seriously, as, as we are dedicating these children, oh my word, parenting. <laughs> like, I'm praying for them because I'm thinking, God, I'm praying for me. Like, We've got a daughter. She's like almost, I think, three and a half. And I'm still trying to figure it out. If anything, I'm praying more than ever before. God, give me wisdom. Um, I can, look, how am I supposed to train her in the ways of the Lord when I can't even train her in the ways of eating broccoli and other vegetables? <laughs> like, Rosie, you need to eat your vegetables because if you don't, you know, not if you don't, like you need to eat them because they're good for you. You'll grow up healthy and strong. Daddy. Yes, Rosie. Is the moon soft? <laughs> like, what? Like, what is that question? I'm like, no, not really. It's kind of made of rocks. It's quite hard. She's like, oh. Is the, are the stars soft? <laughs> like, not really. Like, well, they're like made of gas. It's like a big fireball. Oh, fire's soft? <laughs> Rosie, you need to eat your vegetables. Daddy, I've got arms in my, I've got bones in my arms, and that's why they're hard. <laughs> so uh, you can just picture, I think, like pre-creation, you can picture the Trinity sitting around the creator table, and they're like trying to figure out what's going to go into the universe, and the Holy Spirit pipes up, he's like, hey guys, God the Father, God the Son. He's like, he's trying not to crack himself up, he's like, I've got a hilarious idea. <laughs> you know the toddler stage that we were thinking about? What if, what if we like give them all the talking powers so they can talk, but, but not just some of it, all of it, so they never shut up, but we remove any ability whatsoever to reason, <laughs> to crack up laughing and they accidentally hit the execute button. I reckon that's what happened. It's not in the Bible. It's just a sneaky little opinion I've got. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Obviously, just having a yarn with you. We uh, went for a bike ride last weekend, Rosie and I. We went out to Mapua for ice cream and fish and chips for lunch. And, you know, because I was mindful of that passage in Deuteronomy where it says, you know, as you go on the way, uh, on your way in the morning and the night, you know, train your children up in the ways of the Lord. Like, I was thinking about that as we were biking. And so I was trying to, like, find little things to kind of tell Rosie about God as we went on this adventure together. And so we're sitting in the fish and chip shop and there were sparrows jumping around and they started jumping up on the deep fryer. And first thing I thought was like, well, 
A deep-fried sparrow would be an interesting uh, culinary experience, not one I think I'm too interested in partaking in. Um, but then, you know, I was, obviously I was mindful of Scripture in the Gospels where it says God's eye is on every sparrow, and how much so uh, if his eye is on the sparrows, are they on each of us? And so I said, Rosie, can you see the sparrows? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, did you know the Bible says that God can see all the sparrows? In fact, he knows where all the birds are on the face of the planet. And not only can God see all the birds, Rosie, do you know he sees all the people? He sees you and I. And Rosie, her eyes just went, oh. She's like, God can see us? She starts looking around the room for God. <laughs> like, it was hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, he can. Um, but we can't always see him with our natural eyes because he's spiritual. He sees us, but we can't always see him with our eyes. And she's like, oh. Well, I guess we need to move closer then, don't we? <laughs> so that made me laugh. I'm like, oh, I need to work on how to figure to communicate that one out. But I think I've got time. Thank God. There was a prayer, not blasphemy. Thank God. <laughs> well, this morning, we're going to continue with our theme for the year. We're leaning into this idea of revival, really believing that we would know what it is to see God bring revival into every one of our lives, into every area of our lives. And at the moment, we've got a mini theme that we've been talking about uh, called Revival Starts in Me. And so we're going to continue with this theme this morning. And uh, at your feet, I made some notes there, just a brief outline of the conversation we're going to have this morning. So if you would find that helpful, uh, that is for you. And uh, we're going to have some fun with that. So, this morning, the title for the conversation that we're going to have is Moving from Solitude to Community to Mission. Moving from Solitude to Community to Mission. Uh, I'm going to read a passage out of the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 6. It's written there. Feel free to read along as I read. And as we read, have a look for this theme. See if you can pull it out as we read the story about Jesus, him moving through these three states from solitude to community to mission. Starting in verse 12. In these days, he, speaking of Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued to pray to God. Now when day came, he called his disciples and chose, them from the, and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother, uh, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, and the James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, he came to he who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. This morning, I want to talk about moving from solitude to community to mission. As we read this passage this morning, we see that it starts with solitude. Verse 12, speaking of Jesus, it says, In these days, 
he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. I want to read you some words this morning from a man called Henry Nguyen. He was um, an author. He was a theologian. uh, And I think that he just had a beautiful way of putting some things into words. And so I just want to read this morning uh, some thoughts that he shared around this idea of solitude. He says this. He said, solitude is being with God alone. Is there any space in your life for that? Listening to the one voice rather than the multitude of voices. Listen for that voice as it says, you are my beloved son or daughter. To pray is to let that voice speak to the center of your being, to your gut, and to let that voice resound throughout your whole being. It's not always easy to sit and trust that in solitude God will speak to you. Not in a magical voice, but in that way that he will let you know something gradually over the years. And in that word from God, you will find the inner place from which you will live your life. Sometimes I think life is like a big wagon wheel with many spokes and in the middle the hub. Often in life, work, and ministry, it looks like we're running around the room trying to reach each person and serve each need. But God says, start in the hub. Then you will be connected with all the spokes and you won't have to run so fast. Beautiful, isn't it? Solitude. Here we see Jesus taking time to be alone with his heavenly father. What does that look like? You know, what does it look like to spend time alone with God in solitude, time alone in prayer? I think often when we talk about prayer, we start thinking about words and speaking to God. But the reality is, I think prayer often goes far beyond just the words that come out of our mouth. I was reading a chapter out of a book called uh, opening to God, uh, the, by, the byline was life is prayer. And uh, this person had just written a list of things that are prayerful ways we can engage with God in moments of solitude. And I liked it because the list was more than just one thing. It didn't say talk to God. It actually had a huge list of things and ways that in our own moments of solitude, listening for that that God voice that emanates out of all things that we could personally engage with that ourselves. So I'm going to read some of those lists because uh, there's some great stuff on there. Now, as I do, be warned, you'll probably be like, hey, some of those sound Catholic. Hmm, some of those sound like Eastern Orthodox. Ooh, there's a couple of Protestant ones in there. That's because they all are. You know, this is the wide territory. You'll be like, oh, some of those sound very intellectual. I don't know if that's me. Don't worry, there's also some highly contemplative ones in here as well. But here's the key. I want to read through the whole territory this morning because often I think what's more powerful than the methodology is the focus. And when every single one of us find how it is that we have best been wired to connect with God in solitude, that's when we start to hear God's voice speaking through us the most profound. And that's where life comes from. Here's a list. 
of ways that we can pray and connect with God in solitude. We can read through Scripture and listen for God's personal revelation in the words that we read. We can meditatively walk the stations of the cross. We can light a candle in church or at home. Never had someone come to church and light a candle here. Anyone bring a candle? All right, maybe next week. <laughs> Jokes. You can listen to music, allowing the music to draw your spirit towards God's spirit. You can affirm your beliefs by reading or reciting creeds. You can review your day and notice when and where God was most present to you. You can meditate on Scripture and think about its meaning for your life. You can allow your hunger during a fast to draw your attention towards God. You can recall your blessings and respond with gratitude. You can sub-vocally repeat some mantra like, Come, Lord Jesus, or My God and My All, a simple prayer that moves prayer from your consciousness to the unconsciousness, from your mind to your heart. You can celebrate through communion. You can go for a long walk, rambling the whole time, maybe while repeating the Lord's Prayer. You can confess your sins and ask for forgiveness. You can engage all of your senses, maybe smelling the incense during a liturgy and having your spirit drawn to God in that moment. A contemplative walk in the forest that moves you from self-preoccupation to God consciousness. Making the sign of a cross or bowing before an altar or a crucifix. That sounds intense, hey, crucifix. I haven't done that one personally. You can just sit in silence, allowing your heart to be drawn back to God. You can read liturgical or other written prayers. You can attend to your breathing, drawing in God with every inhalation and breathing God out with every exhalation. You can allow your mind and spirit to turn towards God as you hear church bells or any other infinite reminder that brings your attention back to God. You can sing or ponder the words of your favorite song. You can meditate on an icon or a, word of, or a work of biblical art. You can allow your heart to soar in unworded praise in response to a sunset, a storm, a flower, or a tree. And I know, sorry, first off, apologies. I know it's a very long list. And I know some of the, even as I'm reading, some of those are like, oh, man, you know, that looks very different to maybe what we do and our family gathering uh, here. But here's the thing. Those are different ways that different people have discovered to find and connect with the God realities of this universe through solitude. I'm far less concerned about methodology and far more concerned with focus. Sometimes I feel like when it comes to solitude, there's people in the room that are turned off because they look and see what a few other people might do and they've tried it, but it hasn't worked for them. And so they walk away thinking, maybe it's not for me. I want to encourage you this morning. The key is not, a, it's not the rule, it's the principle.
The key is to follow Jesus in this example of knowing what it is to connect with him in moments of solitude and know that no matter which way we find of connecting with him, there is a space for every single one of us to be drawn where he will speak to our inner being in moments, but also over time. And as we hear his voice, he will lead us on. Solitude. But we don't just stay in solitude. We see Jesus move from solitude to community. By community, I don't mean formal communities. I mean families. I mean friends. I mean churches. I mean 12-step programs and prayer groups and connect groups. You see, community is not an organization. Jesus, he gathers his disciples and he chooses 12 to be his apostles. And I love this idea. He didn't sign them up. You know, he's not like, hey, come with me. Let's go and do like a building project. He's like, hey, come with me. Let's go start a charitable organization and not for profit. No, his, invita- his invitation was relational in nature. Jesus said to these 12, he said, come and follow me. Let's go together. Let's grow together. And I love this idea because the same invitation that God made to those 12 when Jesus, the incarnate God, chose his apostles is the same invitation that God makes to every single one of us in every single moment of every single day. He says, come follow me. Let's go together. Let's grow together. We find this and we interact with this when we find ourselves listening and looking for God's voice in those moments of solitude. I was thinking about the idea of like, who is it that we've got around us? Because we know this to be true. We know that the people that we have in our life both indirectly and directly influence who we're becoming. Are the people in your world lifters or limiters? I think it's so important that we know what it is to surround ourselves with people that lift us and encourage us to be everything, to become our best in God. I think it's important for you and I to not just surround ourselves with people who lift us and encourage us to focus our eyes on God, but I think that we ourselves should be people that lift others that you and I would know what it is to look around ourselves and, and, and say, who, who is around me? Who is ahead of me? Who is beside me? Who is behind me? And how can I be somebody who lifts and who encourages and helps people become the very best version that they can possibly be in God? I love that. Community. I think there's part of our society that's got an unhealthy fixation on individualism and focusing on self. But we know this to be true. There's not a single person alive that can fulfill their God-given potential alone. God didn't create us to be lone wolves. He created us to be family, to be community, to do this life together. And I love this idea. We see this with Jesus, his community, his God people that he gathered around around himself. What did they do? They didn't just stay by themselves, but actually they realized that in their strength together, they were able to move from solitude to community to the third thing, mission. And we'll talk about that soon. But as we talk about community, there's One little bit in the scripture we read this morning that it would be easy to ignore. 
but I think we shouldn't. Uh, because I think that there's something in there to encourage us to be better than just the bottom of the barrel when it comes to being a strong and healthy, life-giving, vibrant community. How's this for an encouraging verse? And Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. (laughs) Oh, man. You see, here's the thing about community. It's not always easy. It's not always pretty. Sometimes it can be downright messy. I think it's important that we know what it is in community as a church family to not just celebrate people's gifts, but also to accept people's flaws. Because here's the thing. All of us do our best, but there's not a single one of us in this room that has the ability to be perfect. That's God alone. Even in our ability to love one another, there's not a single person in this room that has the ability to love another person perfectly. Only God can do that. So we have to give permission for people to be their best, understanding that perfection is never the goal of a standard that we put on anyone. We just want to do life together, to go together, to grow together. You know, how, how many times do you hear people say, oh, I stopped going to church, didn't have an issue with the God, just had an issue with the Christians? <laughs> uh, do you know what? That's not spiritual maturity. That's immature. At some stage, spiritually mature people stop seeing the world all through how does this serve me and what am I getting out of it? And they start asking questions like, what am I bringing? What am I contributing? You know, as a pastor, sometimes I have conversations and people will say, oh, I just wish we had more of this in church or it looked a little bit like that. And I said, great, you be that. I wish our church had more of that too. Don't wait for someone else to structure that into the realities of our church community. Be that. You know, be the church that you want to be. And if everyone was that, think about how vibrant this room would be. I mean, we've got a good, vibrant room already, but think how explosive it would be if everyone took ownership for not just critiquing the church they see, but actually personifying the church they want to see. I thought it was good too, actually. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon with community, I, I just wrote this down and I was pondering. I was like, I wonder if community is a real next step that we need to take as a church family. And like, I, I was wondering if like, just around that whole idea of like connect groups and actually helping discipleship each other and not just enjoying a church worship moment together and then not seeing a lot of people throughout the week, but actually finding who are our tribe within the greater tribe here that is our church. And um, I really suspect that's our next step as a church family of growing into everything that God has wanting, is wanting to like use us for. Because here's the thing, even in a room this size, it's easy to get lost. You know, it's easy to not be seen. Um, People can come and go. But here's the thing. We don't want to be a church necessarily where everyone knows everyone because that's not humanly possible. But we definitely want to be a church where everyone is known by someone, that everyone has a home within a home. They know that they've got their group in the community that's always believing and lifting and elevating and praying and helping them through the moments when they actually need help the most. Moving from solitude to community, to mission. 
I love this. And this is, this is obviously the closing thought this morning. And after speaking briefly to mission, I'm going to invite Dave to come up. I'll pray for us all. And then uh, he'll close the service. But here's the thing. We read this about Jesus. He goes out. He spends time with the Father. He comes back. He surrounds himself with community. And then the community go out and bring life to the wider community. We live in a beautiful yet broken world. That's true. All around us, there is so much good and so much joy-filled realities to celebrate. But here's the thing. There's also just as many painful and fragmented realities in this world that a healthy spirituality and theology can't just sweep under the rug. Even this morning, you know, there's a wee boy here. And I said, how are you? He's like, not like he didn't look too good. I'm like, are you enjoying the school holidays? And he's, he burst into tears and he said, my dog died. I felt so sad because I'm like, oh, I hate dumb emotions <laughs> for a start. Like, but here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. We're surrounded by moments where people feel pain, where there's broken, fragmented parts of the world. And being followers of Jesus is not being so positive and uplifting that we barrage them with our positivity when positivity isn't the right solution for the moment. Sometimes spirituality is actually being there and feeling the rawness of the pain and the hurt of the person who's going through that and not trying to fix all of their issues because sometimes, you know, if you open your mouth, you might just make things worse. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? There's the beautiful parts of this world, but there's the broken parts of the world. And God doesn't just invite us as His body to go and interact with the beautiful, but He actually commissions us to go and be part of the broken. We see that in the way that Jesus lived His life. He didn't spend Himself up in the top echelons of society. More often than not, when we read the Gospels, He found Himself in the places where most people avoided. And here's the thing. I, I was doing a little bit of a word study, I guess, during the week, and I was really impacted by how many times Scripture says this. And He was moved with compassion, talking of Christ. I wrote, I wrote them all down. I won't read them all out for the moment of time, um, for the purpose of time. But, you know, it says, he was moved by compassion and he healed all their sick. He was moved by compassion and he healed the blind man. He was moved by compassion and so he taught them many great things. He was moved by compassion because they were hungry, because they'd been listening for three days. <laughs> and so he fed them. I love that because sometimes we like focus when we read this like, whoa, we focus on the miracle. We focus on the teaching. We focus on the, the feeding. But the theme that's in front of all these verses is actually compassion. And I want to encourage us because I think that when we find ourselves in this place of solitude, when we're connecting with the God realities of this universe ourselves and we're hearing the voice of God speaking to our season, when we start to get a revelation of who God is and how He sees us as an individual, when you start to realize that God loves you so much, He cares for you so much that He would give His own Son to come and suffer like 
everything that he did to the point of dying on the cross, he gave that all freely because he'd rather have a relationship and a connection with you than just stay in heaven, but be disconnected with you. When you realize that everything that God has ever revealed is because he's trying to shout, I care for you and I love you so, so much. When you start to receive that revelation personally, you start to get a revelation of how He sees every single person on the face of the planet. Even that person at work that you can't stand. I've got to let you in on a secret. He loves them just as much as He loves you. <laughs> and when we start to allow God's love to permeate into our lives, at some point it can't help but permeate out. And you start to see the world slightly through the way that God sees the world. You've got to understand that when it comes to mission and ministry, it's never about going out and doing more work for God. It's about doing life with God. It's about going out and being moved by compassion to the point where you can't just walk past and do nothing. But in that moment, as you see that moment, how God sees that moment. You choose to be the mouthpiece. You choose to be the heartbeat. You choose to be the hands and feet. In that moment, the kingdom of God breaks free in our world. Sometimes we miss the significant because we're looking for the spectacular. There is nothing more powerful than letting your heart be touched by God so much that God's heart starts coming out of you. We move from solitude to community to ministry. I want to pray for us all this morning, praying that we would know what it is to, as we go out from this like this gathering today, that we'd all know what it is to find beautiful moments of solitude. That there wouldn't be a single person in this room today that would go out and feel like the pinnacle of their relationship with God happened today. Here's my hope for you. I hope you have some great moments this afternoon. I hope tomorrow is full of beautiful moments. I hope every single day this week, you know what it is to feel as connected with God in those moments as you do in this moment. And that you would know what it is to know that God isn't just wanting to see you, but He's wanting to flow His life into you so that He can flow His life out of you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this incredible piece of scripture that we've read this morning. And just the example that you set, Christ. This example of moving from solitude to community to mission. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us grow in all three of these spiritual practices, that we would know what it is to find regular moments in our rhythms and routines where we can connect with you and stop ourselves being distracted by all of the many voices out there and just find time to hear your voice speaking into our world. God, we thank you for the people that you've placed around us. God, help us be people that lift each other. 
Holy Spirit, let us be the kind of people that know what it is to encourage others to become the very best version of themselves in you. And God, help us not just be people that accept it and know your love, but stop there. But God, help us be the people that really are your hands and your feet in the world around us. People that know what it is to let your compassion for the broken parts of this world flow through us. I thank you for that. God, I pray for every single one of my friends here today. God, that they would know your presence, your truth, your life, your blessing in their world as we go out from here. I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.